Well, glad to be together this weekend. Thanks for those of you that are in the room and those of you watching online and those of you over at Montrose. How's it going? Rumor has it I look taller on screen. I've always wanted to be tall. Anyway, just kidding. It's good to be together. I'm so grateful uh, that we have the chance to be able to uh, continue the conversation uh, that we've been in in this series, Things That We Forget to Believe. Uh, But before we press in, I just want to circle back around. You would have heard uh, quite a bit uh, about these desserts, the Q&As with Pastor Jeff to learn about all in and all out. Uh, If you were here last week, Pastor Joe uh, talked about those. Um, We've actually created a couple more of those opportunities next weekend, uh, April 9th. 9th and 10th, uh, encourage you, uh, especially if you're newer to Grace, uh, check out one of those uh, dessert Q&As because you're going to be able to hear the heartbeat uh, and Jeff's heart especially behind everything that's going to be taking place with All In, All Out. Uh, You notice that massive construction project, well that's part of it. And so if you haven't been able to jump into one of those opportunities, encourage you to do so. And uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about cheesecake. All right, I don't actually care that much for cheesecake, but, all right, Joe lied to you last week. I'm gonna be straight up, all right? He told you that there was no cheesecake because it was seasonal. They had cheesecake, all right? So this next weekend, if you haven't checked out a dessert, come join us, all right? You can actually hop on the app and uh, sign up in RSVP uh, for one of those times to be with Pastor Jeff uh, as he walks us through it. All right. Well, uh, like I said, in a series called Things That We Forget to Believe, and last week Pastor Joe was with us and kicked off this conversation. He did a phenomenal job. I um, am so grateful just for his heart and kind of setting the tone for this series. Uh, What he did is he helped us understand that for you and I, we're going to face storms in our life. And he had us press into Mark chapter four uh, and looking at how Jesus and his disciples uh, traveled by boat across the lake and, uh, and came across a powerful storm. And the disciples, they were terrified. They were, they were bothered by what was happening. And Jesus is in the back of the boat catching some Z's, right? Uh, we read in scripture that his head was even on a cushion. So he had no concern that the storm was upon him. And what we see in the midst of that storm and the storms in our lives is that God has the power to control and has the power to lead us through those storms. And that's exactly what we saw last week. In the midst of our circumstances, the storms that we face, uh, God has the power to help us and to be with us. And so Pastor Joe helped us understand that in the midst of one of those storms, uh, we're not to run away from Jesus at that point. We're to run directly to him. We need to go after him. And he walked us then through Book of Romans where you and I, we can find this overwhelming victory. But it's not by our own doing, right? It's through Christ. And so what a great understanding to remember that in the midst of our storms, we can't forget to believe to run towards Jesus, run after him and allow him to work in those moments. Well, this week, my desire is to kind of pick right up where uh, Pastor Joe left off. Uh, We're going to continue back in uh, the book of Mark, and instead of chapter 4, we're going to hop over to chapter 5, and we're going to see in the story, Jesus and the disciples actually arrived on the other side of the lake. And last week, Joe kind of talked about the external, the circumstances that we'll face in life. Uh, This week, what I want us to do is focus on the internal. 
But before we jump in, uh, I've realized I actually haven't been up in front of you for quite some time, and a lot of you might have no idea who I am, uh, and that's okay. I look forward to getting to know you a little bit, but I want to introduce you to my family. Uh, so if you see these guys walking around at all, you'll know who they are. That's my beautiful wife, Katie. We've been married almost eight years. Uh, Graham, the little guy in the middle, uh, he's going to be six on Tuesday, so he's super excited about turning six, Super Mario theme. It's his thing. He's all about it. All right, and then Willow, our little girl, she's going to be three uh, come May. Uh, love these guys. I'll be real with you. They are my world. Those three make me a better person, and I have so much joy being a dad and being a husband. It's awesome, but can I be real with you for a second? Some of the greatest insecurities that I face are wrapped around my role of being a husband and a dad. Some of the greatest insecurities that I wrestle with directly tie to those guys. I'll be real with you. Um, there's been uh, some moments where, let's be honest, there's tension, there's conflict in all of our families. No family's perfect. And so when the emotions start uh, taking off a little bit, I'm kind of caught off guard sometimes in how I react in those moments. In fact, sometimes I, it's like uncharacteristic of how I react in the moments of stress and conflict within my family. And I'll be honest, like there's times where that gets the best of me. And my mind starts to wander and I start to like go down this path and those insecurities start to get uh, the best. Now, when I respond in those moments of conflict or those, those you know, heated moments with my kids or my wife, it's not anger, it's not rage, that's actually not a struggle of mine. What it is, it's actually shutting down and shutting them out. I tend to close up in those moments. A couple weeks ago, I was able to get lunch with a friend and we were catching up, we were just talking about our families, talking about our kids, and the conversation actually went uh, to our upbringings a little bit, specifically uh, our roles with our dads, our relationships with them. And that conversation with my friend uh, really started to spark uh, some thought. <laughs> as, I, as I think about the insecurities that I face as a father and as a husband, when I was having that conversation with a friend, what I realized is a lot of those insecurities are directly attached to the relationship and the role that my dad had played in my life. My dad was a kind, gentle man. I'll be straight up. Uh, he was a good guy. My dad had struggles. He had addictions uh, that he could not find victory over. And those addictions ultimately is what led to my parents' divorce when I was uh, in early years of middle school. And from middle school through high school and all the way through college, um, it wasn't anger that my dad kind of demonstrated for me. It was this closing down, shutting down and shutting my mom and I out, so much so that he would walk out. And from middle school, high school, all the way through college, my dad was absent. He left. It was some of the most pivotal years of my life, he wasn't present. And so through this conversation with the friend that I had a couple weeks ago, I started to realize that some of my actions and how I treat Katie and the kids, it's the example that was set for me. And that terrifies me. It scares me. 
and my mind starts to creep in and get the best of me. I, I start to, to like spiral a little bit because I, I don't know about you, but I'm wired in a way when something is broken, I have to fix it. I, I have this like, this absolute desire that if something is broken, no matter what the situation is, that I have to intervene and I have to fix it. And in this situation with my dad and how I see how I treat my family, those insecurities that I face, I have to intervene. I have to do something. I have to figure out how to make sure that I don't act like my dad. I have to fix it on my own. And so I'm curious, how often do you and I have that mindset? How often do we try to take matters into our own hands and try to fix it on our own? For me, I would say things like this. I will find a way through this situation to not be like my dad. I'll own that. Maybe for some of us, I'll find victory over that addiction on my own. Or I will make sure that that relationship doesn't cross into an unhealthy place on my own. Or my anxiety, my depression, I will control that. I, I can take care of that on my own. I think so often we carry this mentality that if it's broken, I can fix it. But I think what we forget to believe is that we can't. We can't do it alone. And so I'd love for you to turn with me to the book of Mark chapter five. We're gonna look at a fascinating story. All right, it's kind of mind blowing a little bit. Mark chapter five, and remember we're picking up where Pastor Joe left off last week. Jesus and the disciples have come across the lake. They've gone through the storm. They're now on the other side. And so we pick up Mark chapter five, starting in verse one. I encourage you to use the app um, or, or the Bible app, either one. Uh, I'm gonna read this story because it is, it's actually super fascinating and it's gonna lay a lot of framework uh, for our discussion today. But I do just wanna mention, if, if you don't have a Bible, a hard copy of the Bible, we'd love to give you one. All right, so stop by the welcome desk, pick one up. Let that be our gift uh, to you, all right? So Mark chapter five, starting in verse one, here's what it says. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirit came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. 
the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounded uh, in the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and fully sane. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. This is a crazy story. No one can argue that there's not different genres in scripture, right? This is like the next Hollywood Halloween thriller taking place, all right? So it's pretty intense of what's happening. And as we look at the man in this story, all right, he, he's possessed by a demon. Now, uh, personally, I have not experienced a demon possession like we read about in this story, all right? Personally, have not experienced that. Uh, but I do believe that it can exist. I do believe that Satan uh, is very much at work. As I read in the New Testament here, Jesus uh, kind of refers to Satan in a couple of ways. He refers to him as a deceiver, refers to him as the father of lies, even refers to him as a lion who is, who is on the prowl, ready to attack. And I think the reason why Jesus is laying out an understanding or these different uh, names of Satan is because he wants us to recognize that there is a larger battle that is taking place in our lives. That there is a larger battle taking place in each one of us. And this battle may not show up the way that we're reading here in this story with this man, but we do need to recognize that there is an evil power, Satan who's desiring to deceive, desiring to make his way into our lives and really bring his power into our life. And Satan, as the deceiver, this power can actually show up internally in our lives. And so as I look uh, kind of at what's happening here, and for the sake of our conversation, I want us to talk about what I'm gonna refer to as inner demons, inner demons. There's a battle taking place within us, and I think each of us can relate to some of the inner demons that we'll face. All right, and here's what some of those will look like. There'll be insecurities, there'll be addictions, past failures, maybe guilt, shame, even stress from the outside world. As we look at these, these are things that might hold us captive, right? We're wrestling with these things in our lives. These are our inner Demons And these inner demons sometimes can be uh, metaphorical. Sometimes it could actually be spiritual warfare. And so as I look at this man here and what he was experiencing, he was dealing with the demon on his own. He was at least attempting to. And as we look at his situation, we find that this spirit, Legion, is incredibly powerful. This man is literally in the graveyard. He's in the burial ground uh, by himself. He's experiencing isolation. He's been exiled by community. He's been removed because of being deemed unsafe. People attempted to chain him and shackle him and keep him away. He's dealing with this internal battle. 
Think about what this would have looked like for the man. Think about how he would have felt being removed. He had no one. He was alone. He was left by himself in the burial grounds, chained up and controlled by this unclean spirit. What about his family? What about his loved ones? Where are they in this moment? Well, what we see is they also would have turned their back to him. They were fearful of what this man was experiencing in his life. There was no control. But what's fascinating is when this man saw Jesus, he sprinted towards him and he bowed down. We'll circle back around that a little bit later, but that's fascinating. Why? You see, this man was in isolation. He had no one. And for someone to experience this removal from society, he had someone that approached him and he immediately sprinted and bowed down before Jesus. This man desired help and he actually placed himself in position to receive that help. And so when we are faced with our inner demons, I got a question to ask. Are we putting ourselves in position to allow the power of God to work? Are we putting ourselves in a position to allow the power of God to work? Or is our response, I'll figure it out, I'll do this on my own? Are we putting ourselves in a position to experience the power of God with our inner demons? Or is our response, I'll figure it out, I'll take care of it on my own? You see, I think we forget to believe this, that we cannot do this on our own. We need God's power in our lives. See, what I figured out personally in my own life is that I couldn't handle my inner demons on my own. I couldn't do it. My insecurities of being a husband, my insecurities of being a dad are a part of a much larger spiritual battle that is taking place in my life. You see, Satan actually wants me to believe that I'm just like my dad. Satan wants me to believe that I don't have what it takes to love my wife and my kids the way that they deserve. And so my reaction, my response to that is to try harder. My response is to take things into my own hands, try harder, and prove not only to myself and my family that I am not my dad. But I was hit with a hard reality as I was even taking time to process this this week, I came to this reality that I have made myself the hero to my own story. I made it about me. I was the hero because I thought I could do it all on my own. You know, I, I love... Paul, uh, in the book of Ephesians, addresses this, this internal battle, this spiritual battle that we face. And I'd love to take a look at Ephesians chapter six together. He's writing this to the Ephesians and he says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. 
Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We are not fighting a battle against flesh and blood. We are fighting a battle against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And the spiritual battle exists and it rages on within us. And we can easily forget to believe that we're unable to handle this battle on our own. See, God, he meets us in these moments as well. And we must take the armor that God provides to us, this belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, the shoes of peace, knowing the good news, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword, God's word. To take the armor that God has provided us and to know that he is with us and we need to depend on him. Fully depend and rely on him in those moments. And this dependency, what that is, it's actually a submission. It's a yielding to his power in our lives. And our response to this power that he has is to humbly go before him, to take on this posture of humility within our inner demons, our inner battles. In accepting who he is and what he wants to do in our lives, but also accepting the armor that he has given to each of us. And so as we think about humility, I I wanna define it for our sake of our conversation as this, it's recognizing that we are not the hero of our own story. We are not the hero. And I'll be the first to admit to you that I love me some me. I love to think about how I'm going to handle situations. And as I'm wrestling with my circumstances, I'm wrestling with some of the inner demons that I face, I've got this. I can handle this. I'll take matters into my own hands and I am completely forgetting that I can't. I can't do it alone. And this man who is out in this graveyard living in isolation, being possessed by this demon, he knew that this man who was walking towards him, right, he sprinted towards Jesus. Can can we pause there for a second and recognize the power that Jesus has in that moment? Because this is a man who is fully possessed by a demon, has full control over this man, and the man is running towards Jesus, being completely possessed by a demon, meaning the demons are also sprinting towards Jesus and bowing down. They recognize the power of Jesus in that moment. They recognize that there is nothing more powerful than Jesus. Even the demons, they were nervous. Don't cast us away. Send us to those pigs. They were fearful for themselves. Great example of the power of who Jesus is. And so let me ask you this. What would it look like for you and I to sprint to Jesus? 
What would it look like for us to sprint to Jesus and humbly ask him to help us with our inner demons? God's power is stronger than any other source of power. And submitting to his power is an act of humility. Understanding that he can come into our lives and help guide us, lead us, even heal us at times with our internal battles. And it's a battle that is going to continue to rage on until God decides to finish it once and for all. But we need to trust that he has a plan and he has a purpose through all of this. Best part as I think about God is that he desires to journey with you and I. He desires to meet us even in the midst of our internal struggles, our inner demons. He is like, listen, I am here for you and I wanna journey with you. And leaning on God's power with our inner struggles, our inner demons, it can be incredibly difficult. I'm with you. I struggle. But I think it's a step that we need to take towards him. And we also need to wrap our minds around this, is that even when he is working in our lives and he's meeting us in our moments, things may not change the way that we hope they would. It may not look the way that, that we desire it to look once we know God is assisting us in this. He has a plan and he has a purp purpose. And it, though it might not look the same, it doesn't mean he's not working. Look at this man, for example, at the very end of what we read here in Mark 5, 18 and 19. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no. Go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. This man is like, man, Jesus, you healed me. Let me go with you, please. Why would he ask and plead to go with Jesus? You see, in the thick of his insecurities, even though he was healed, he knew that he was still an outcast. He just watched all of the crowd react when seeing him fully clothed insane, the reaction was fear. So much so that they pleaded with Jesus to leave. And so this man is sitting here, in, in a sense, uh, consumed with his own insecurities, knowing that it's probably not gonna change. And I love how Jesus responds to him. Because in this moment for the man, Jesus was the only thing that made sense because he experienced the life change. In fact, Jesus actually became kind of this, this place of peace, this place of resting, really, for this man, because he was once isolated, possessed by the Spirit, and now changed. And I think the reason why Jesus instructed him to stay is because he wanted him to go home for a reason. I think for you and I, we will always be left to face with our insecurities. We may overcome one, but a new one's gonna fill in. We're always gonna be wrestling with these internal battles, these internal demons, they're not gonna go away. But choosing to depend on God and remembering what he said, remembering how he reacts and treats us in these moments, when we turn to him and depend on him in these moments, what happens is we are called out of this world 
We're not called to be out of this world. We're, we're called to be in it. Because of Jesus Christ, he is with us in those moments. And so for this man, he's told, man, go back to your family. Go back and share with them what had just happened. Show them how merciful the Lord has been with you. And what Jesus is telling him to do is go back so that you can overcome these insecurities. And while you're at it, your family and the, the crowd, the community, can also battle theirs as well because they will be able to see all that God did in you. When we use the armor of God that has been given to us to fight against these internal spiritual battles, we're inviting God to be the hero of our story. When we humbly go before God, we're saying, God, listen, we need you. I'm, I need to fully depend on you. We're allowing him to be the hero. And other people get to experience and witness that. And what other people get to see that God is not only the hero of your story, he's the author of it. That's powerful. When we allow God into those moments. Paul says this in Galatians 2 verse 20. I think it's uh, so perfect for this conversation. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is not me as the hero of my story. It is Christ as the hero of my story. Listen, I stand before you to admit that I am a work in progress. This week has been a very challenging week as I have prepared this because some of the things that I'm sharing with you, these insecurities that I face, they're new. I'm actually standing up here like learning while walking us through this truth. Earlier this week, I was sitting in our life group and we were having a conversation <laughs> about um, really the need of guidance or a mentor or somebody to lean into uh, with circumstances in our lives. And I was hit hard with the reality of needing to be fully dependent on God, knowing that I can't do this alone, that I need him. And it was a hard realization because as we were having this conversation about that mentor or someone to like lean into with life circumstances, I realized that I've been doing it all on my own. It was me. And, and even in that moment, I'm like, okay, I've had mentors in my life and fantastic men who have, who have guided me, but the truth is that's also not sufficient enough. It's me and these mentors, and what I'm neglecting is the full dependency on God. I've been navigating these battles, my insecurities, these inner demons solely on my own. And that night on Monday, what the Lord did is he actually stripped me of that weight of thinking that I could do it all by myself. And I just had a moment where I just felt God revealing to me himself in a new way. That he is my guidance. That he is my resting place. He is my source of peace. And I needed that. I needed to know. I needed to be reminded of how much I need him. But I needed to humbly submit 
humbly yield to his power in these moments of my life as I wrestle with my inner demons. And so yes, I, I'm still a work in progress. Yes, I am still learning in these moments. But can I encourage you and share with you how freeing it is to lean in on him and to trust him and to know that we don't have to battle our inner demons alone. I just want to take a couple minutes and I, I, want, I want to ask you some questions to think about, some questions to ponder. How often do we forget to believe that there is a spiritual battle taking place? That there is a spiritual battle raging on within each one of us. I encourage you to remember that we need God's power to overcome this battle. Jesus is greater. And we can humbly recognize that we are not the hero of that story he is. My second question is, how have you been the hero of your story? How have you been the hero of your own story? Are there inner demons that you're facing? Whether insecurities, addictions, past failures, stress, you name it. Are there inner demons that you are trying to deal with on your own? And lastly, what would it look like to go before the Lord and humbly accept that armor that God has given us to fight those inner demons? What would it look like to humbly go before him, inviting him into the battle and ultimately surrender those bondages of the inner demons over to him? What would it look like for you to do that? For some of us in this room, we might not understand that we have a God who is extending his hand out to you, desiring for you to take it and then to invite him in to our circumstances, whether they're the external storms that we face like we talked about last week or inviting him in to the inner demons that we are internally wrestling with. And my hope and my desires is that you would understand that he's simply wanting you to take his hand, inviting him into those moments and ultimately surrendering our lives to him. I invite you to do that today if you've never done it. You know what's fascinating about this story as I was studying this? Jesus and the disciples traveled across the lake through a wicked storm, got to the other place, other side, interacted with this man, healed this man, and then immediately got back in the boat and went to the other side. This man experienced Jesus' power Jesus went out of his way to reach that man. And this is the same God who has the same power to go to great lengths to meet you where you're at. I'm so grateful that he did that for me. And so if you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, he's wanting that. And he's inviting you into that. My prayer for us this weekend is that we can all find freedom over our inner demons. That we would understand the truth of knowing that we, we can't handle it alone, 
and we don't have to. And I hope that we would find freedom knowing that we can invite him into these moments of our lives, knowing that he can guide us, help us, rescue us. Remember, the thing about Satan is that he wants to isolate you. He wants to separate us from each other and from God. And in those moments, sometimes all we can hear is his voice. And that's where he finds his strength. And so I encourage us to, to, to not let Satan have a foothold any longer. That we would allow him, allow God, excuse me, to come in to our moments of insecurities and to help us battle our inner demons. You are not alone. Invite God in, turn to him. And lastly, I also recognize that this is an incredibly difficult thing to wrestle with. When we think about some of our insecurities, when we think about our inner demons, for some of us, that is a very hard thing to think about. Find hope in knowing that not only God wants to be with you, you don't have to be alone, but we as a church would also love to come alongside of you and help you and know that you can find respite, you can find peace in battling these inner demons. And so if that's you, man, I'll be out in the lobby. I'd love to get to know you a little bit. I'd love to pray with you. If you recognize somebody in the band, find one of the band members to pray with and allow us to help connect you to the true source of life. Allow him to meet us in the moments and not forget that we can't handle it alone, but we can depend on him. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a God who is present. A God who desires to journey with us. Lord, I ask that you would just be present in this moment. Be with each one of us in this room. Help us understand that we can come to you. As we wrestle with these inner demons, Lord, we know that there is an evil power, but Lord, you have all power over him. That you are everything we need. And so Lord, for us sitting in this room, if there is an individual who does not know who you are, God, would you put it on their heart? Would you give them the boldness to make the decision to run after you? and to surrender our life to you. Grateful for you, Lord. Thank you for meeting us even in our weakest moments and knowing that we can come to you always. Grateful. We pray this in your name.